Amen. What a what a powerful time of worship today. Amen. I mean, just powerful songs. You know, uh, we get to see uh, first service. You guys missed out. First service, we had baptism, and uh, so uh, it was just it's just been a good day. You know what I'm saying? It's always good to experience those moments where you get to celebrate. And uh, today uh, we're uh, we're kicking off uh, or going into our third week of uh, margin, and we're talking about financial margin. Uh, so how many of you guys can celebrate that? All right, so we don't always celebrate that. How many of you guys feel like you deal with financial stress and strain a little bit? You know, being honest, you know, yeah, all over the room. And here's, here's the thing about that is in this culture, in this day, in this time, that is the norm. You know, that's the norm that, is that we live with financial stress, financial strain. Even last week when we talked about, hey, how many of you guys feel like you don't have enough time in the day? Everybody raises their hand. Here's the thing, that's the norm, right? That is the norm. That, that's what everybody's doing and so what's crazy is for whatever reason, we think, oh, that's what everybody's doing, so it's okay. No, it's not. It's wrong. And let me just be clear about that. How we live a lot of times is wrong. Even though we may be believers, followers of Christ, we're not living according to God's pattern. We're following the pattern of this world. And so for so many people to live in financial stress and strain, it's not God's plan, it's not God's pattern, and it's not His perfect will. But what we do is too often we get focused on the pattern of this world and we follow what it says and what it preaches and what it teaches rather than what God's Word says. And so then we get frustrated because we want the spiritual in our life. We want the peace that passes understanding. But, man, we are chasing after the world in a lot of ways. Let's, let's look at this, uh, this statement or this d- definition we've been using throughout this series. It says, Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It is the difference between what you have and what you need. In other words, it's a little bit of cushion. Or it's a little bit of buffer. You know, I was even, you know, I was thinking last night, if I were sleeping on a, a, the top bunk in a bunk bed, I would want one that has a little bit of buffer. You know what that means? In other words, I'd want a little bit of room so that if I rolled in the night, I didn't roll off the bed. You know, maybe even some, some side rails would be nice if I was having to sleep on the, on the top bunk. But back in the day, a lot of the top bunks didn't have that. So you wanted a little bit of buffer, a little bit of safety zone, if you will. And so that's where we are financially. A lot of times we, we go, man, I wish I had some, some buffer. I wish I had some cushion. I wish I had some, some space in between what I need and what I have. And so what margin is, is like if you've got $100 and you've got $80 in bills, you have $20 worth of what? Margin or buffer or, or, or if you will, a little bit of cushion. If you've got $1,000 and you have $800 in bills, you have what? You have $200 worth of margin or buffer or cushion. And so the thing is, is, you know, there's so many times that people literally live paycheck to paycheck. They make a thousand, they spend a thousand. And then the most, I will say this, the majority of people make a thousand and they spend more than a thousand. And they're, therefore they're in financial stress and strain. And so look, look at this statement. This will stress you out a little bit. Well, let me, let me read this, this statement. I love this statement. This, uh, if you guys are looking for resources, I, I put the uh, website on there, I think, but it's I was broke and now I'm not. And uh, Joseph Single, he's a guy that uh, a friend of mine, Lori and I met uh, him and uh, his wife. And, and anyway, he has this website. It's called I Was Broken, Now I'm Not. So here's a quote that is on their website I thought was really good. It says, We believe that when people are financially free, they're more likely to do exactly what they have been on put, put on earth to do. That is a great statement. Regardless of the cost or the income potential. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, if there's no financial strain, if there's no financial limitations then we believe that, you know, he said, we believe that people are more likely to do what God put them here to do than if they are living with this bondage of debt. And so think about that. So if, 
God has a plan and a purpose. And I just say this for every one of you in this room. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you're here today and you, you've never heard that, I hope you understand God has a plan and He has a purpose for your life. He wants to do something special in you and He wants to do something special through you. He wants to make a difference in this world through you. You become that vessel. And so God wants to do things in you and through you. And so that's an exciting thing. And so whenever we I, I, I read that statement, listen to it again, we believe that when people are financially free, in other words, they're not living in stress and strain of finances, they're more likely to do exactly what they were put on earth to do, God's purpose, God's plan. And so that's, their whole ministry is set up to help you, you know, to get fin- financial freedom. And so they have free budget resources on there where you can literally download and you can plug in your numbers in there and you'll find out how out of, out of shape your budget is. They've got all kinds of uh, information on how to, how to get diff- different things, insurance, all kinds of stuff. So it's a great ministry. And, uh, and so there's others like that. There's Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace. We even have a group that does Financial Peace. And then there's Crown Ministries. They do the same thing. So there's lots of people that do everything they can to help believers and Christians find freedom in this area of their life. But look at this. This is what I was saying would kind of stress you out a little bit. This was a, a stat that came out that was on the news. It says, cost to raise a child born in 2015 through the age of 17 is $233,610. Now, that does not include college. That does not include college. Does that stress you out a little bit? I mean, if you just had a kid in the last, you know, in 2015, you kind of stressed out. Like, I just saw John and Hannah get up to go outside with their baby, and I'm thinking, all right, they were, that baby was born in 2018. You know, inflation, it's already gone up. And, and so the thing is, is, that doesn't include college, and college has increased in the last 10 years 1,000%. College is, just continues to explode and grow, and, and so many people are grad, or they're graduating from college with tons of debt. And so college is super expensive. And so for a mom or a dad that's reading that, we go, cost to raise a child, we're thinking, how in the world is that possible? How does it cost that much? You know, $233,610, not including college. And we had three boys and so here's the thing is when you read that, you go, oh, man, that's crazy. And then some of you are doing this like, yeah, man, but you got 17 years to pay for it. And it's kind of like financing it, you know. I mean, hey, oh, you know, hey, I can stretch this out to 72 months or I can stretch this out to 84 months. As long as I can get the note down to what I think I can pay in a month, then, yeah, I'll buy it. That's kind of our mentality, isn't it? That's, that is the culture that we're in. You know, they're like, hey, listen, if you'll just stretch it out, you can do it. And so what happens is we are influenced by this culture way more than we oftentimes want to admit. We're influenced by this culture that we live in way more than we want to admit. Look at this, this passage here out of Proverbs twenty-one twenty. It says, The wise store up choice food in olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. In other words, what he's saying there, what the, 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 the writer of wisdom, that's the book of Proverbs, wisdom, is the wise, and remember we've been talking about this, the wise. God, help me to make wise decisions. Help me make the wise choice with my time. That's what we talked about last week. The wise choice with my time. What is the wise thing to do with my time? And, and so here it's saying the wise, meant they have lots of olive oil. They have lots of goods. And so they have wealth, if you will. They have plenty. It says, but the fool gulps down everything they get. In other words, maybe you could translate that. They spend everything they make. They spend everything. Thing they make. And, and so instead of having a savings account or ha- having some buffer, having some, you know, some, some cushion in the finances, the fool spends everything they make. Now that may offend some of you, but the truth may hurt. I'm just saying God's Word is truth. 
And so when we read that, we go, good gracious, you know, but Mike, you don't understand my bills. You don't understand. You're right, I don't. But God does. God, God understands everything. He knows everything that you will deal with before you ever deal with it. And so the thing is, is a lot of times our decisions, you know, that we've made in the past, they continue to kind of compound and compound and compound, and it, it gets worse. And so decision, poor decisions we made in the past financially, we're paying for them now. But it doesn't mean, that, oh, right, it's too late. No, it's not too late. It's like the grace of God. You know, you might say, well, man, I made too many bad decisions growing up. I mean, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. You know, there's no hope for me. Yes, there is. Jesus died for you. When we just got through singing that song, man, truth come busting through. Jesus literally offers hope to us. So you're never too far gone. His grace, His mercy is there. And so when we look at this passage, it says that the wise, it doesn't say the wealthy. It doesn't say the two-income family. It doesn't say the CEO. It doesn't say any of that. It says the wise. And so the wise could be anybody in the room, no matter what your income level is. The wise store up choice food and olive oil. And let me just say, I'm not talking about preppers either. I'm not talking about preppers who are, who are preparing for the doomsday and they got piles of toilet paper and they got piles of ketchup and they got piles of whatever. But what it's saying here is that the wise, the wise have handled their resources well. And they have choice food. And they have, they have olive oil. They have stores of it. But the fool spends it on everything. Spends everything they make. And they live paycheck to paycheck. It's pretty much what it's saying. Here's the passage we, we read last week as well. And so look at what it says. Again, it's about wisdom. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. We just saw what a fool does. So don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And so, again, we, we look at that passage. We just got through reading Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom. And it's saying, hey, listen, the wise manage their resources well. They, they, they say no to certain things. Remember last week we talked about the wise thing may be to say no to the good and, and, and choose the best. To choose the best. That's what we should be choosing, right? We should be going, you know, God, what is, give me, help me to make wisdom, a wise choice. So give me wisdom to make the wise choice. I don't want to choose what is good whenever I can have what is best. And so God is telling you, He's telling me, hey, make wise decisions with your time and make wise decisions with your finances. And so, let's drop down here to this next passage out of 1 Timothy. It says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Now, most of us in the room here, we think about Wealth. We think about like big houses, nice cars, you know, not, lots of land, uh, nice toys. You know, and, and so we live in a culture that constantly says that, hey, whatever you've got, it's not enough. You need more. You know, and, and so we, we buy into that. And so we have been influenced by the culture that we live in. And, and so what we do is we, we begin to think, man, I, I need something else. I need to... I need to accomplish something else. I need to achieve something else. I need to purchase something else. I need the latest, greatest thing that came out. My phone is two years old. I need a new phone. You know, and, and we, have a, we have a culture that screams that and teaches that and pushes that, right? And, and we have bought into the lie. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You have bought into much of that lie. And you, you go, you know what? Hey, man, I need the latest, greatest. Mine's out of date. You know, and now they're even slowing it down so it won't work like it should. So I really do need to get the new one. You know, and that, that should be wrong, you know, and they should be reprimanded for that. But here's the thing, we, we don't really care if they do. We want the new one. And we're going to push for the new, whatever it is. 
And so we, we live with this won't, won't, won't. And that's what the culture teaches. And let me tell you, culture is a very powerful thing. Culture is powerful. You know, one of the things we did uh, yesterday, we had an opportunity. Uh, we, we invited the church, and we invited anybody that wanted to be a part of it, to come up and gather here. And so what we did is we went out and we served our community. So we went out and we, we went to Daniel Prep, and uh, we had people that literally cleaned all the bathrooms there at Daniel Prep. And uh, they cleaned all the bathrooms, including the toilets. They did it all. And uh, they went in, they set up some things, they took care of some things that were, you know, ask us. We had a team of guys that literally cut the grass and weeded it, all of that. That's a big school, but they did a great job. And we even had a guy who literally cuts the grass for our church, who he literally brought his equipment over and, and jumped out, and we were able to knock out all of it. And, uh, and so it was an opportunity to serve that school. We had another team that went over to Stanhope Elmore, and we painted some of the, the walls and stuff that they were needing needed painting. And then we cleaned out some, some rooms and threw away a bunch of stuff and just kind of cleaned it up and got it straightened up. And, and it was just our opportunity to bless them. We, I had this guy walk up and said, man, he goes, I want you guys to know y'all are awesome. I said, man, I just want you to know I appreciate you guys letting us serve with you guys. But this is our way of saying God loves you and we do too. And so we had another team that was here that was putting together all of the resources that you guys brought back last Sunday. And we will take that to teachers and we will bless teachers with it. So we want to have a culture at Journey Church that has a servant mentality. We want to serve our community. We want to bless our community. We want to be generous. So we want a culture of generosity here at our church. So we bought the paint to paint some of the walls. And we did, you know, and we bought the supplies. You guys brought supplies back. We want to have a culture of generosity. Why? Because we believe that culture is powerful. And we believe that, that culture will influence our people to be generous. And it will encourage our people to, to want to serve. And that we see that, you know what, that is a value here. And so let me, let, me, let me tell you, culture is important. But the sad thing is, is too often for us as believers, the world's culture is more influential than the church's culture. The world's culture is more influential than even what the culture is in the Scriptures. And, and you might think, how is that? Because that's what we have our eyes fixed on. You know, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So what we do is, what are we seeking? Are we seeking, you know, hey, an attaboy? Or are we seeking appreciation? Or are we seeking fulfillment from, hey, if I buy this thing, it's going to make me feel good? How many of you guys have wrestled with this? Like, there's been times in my life, you know, where I've thought, man, that's what I want. And I will set my goals on that. And I, I tell my wife, hey, Laurie, it's good for me to be able to hang, hang the carrot out front, you know. Like, give me something to work towards, you know, help me to do that. And so there's times... I'll say, hey, this is what I want, and I'll work hard to get there, and I will get that, and I'll realize, you know what, this isn't really what I wanted. Or really, maybe it is what I wanted for the moment, but as soon as I get there, I start looking down the road. Hey, what's the next thing I want? Any guys ever wrestle with that? Yeah, thank you for being honest. Man, we get somewhere, and we're like, you know, all right, I've got that, I've accomplished that. Yeah, I got it, but now it's not that big of a deal. Hey, what's the next want? What's the next thing? That is the pattern of this world. Let me read this again. Yet true godliness with contentment is, is itself great wealth. See, the wealthiest person in the room in here today might, may not be who has the biggest bank account. It's not who has the most cash in their wallet. It could be the person that is really seeking God. That has said, you know what, I want to seek first the kingdom of God and, and His righteousness. And I want God to be glorified in my life. 
you know, and I want to be able to share the gospel with people, with friends, family, whoever, and I want to be able to serve them, and I want to make a difference in their life, and I want to be generous with what I've been given. You know, and God, I want you to be honored in my life. And God, I want to be content with what I have and not won't, 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 won't like a little kid. You may be the wealthiest person in the room, according to Scripture. But see, the world says that you're not. The world says you have to have certain things. You have to have a certain size house. You have to have a certain square footage. You have to have a certain vehicle. You have to have certain things. And so what happens is we buy into that mentality. When we drive through a when we drive through a rest, I mean, a, 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 whatever you call it, a neighborhood, we go, man, these are some wealthy people. Why? Why do we say that? Because of how big their house is or how well manicured their lawn is or, you know, or how nice the cars are. And so we have bought into the world's pattern instead of what God's Word says. Because God's Word says that what makes wealth, what may be the wealthiest person, is not the person who has all this junk, but the person who is godly and content. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have, a, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. How many Americans do you know are content with having enough food and clothing? Not many, right? Because that's not what's taught, that's not what's preached. We have a whole business, we have a whole, you know, I guess a, the marketing business, that's what they do. Their job is to promote to you that you don't have enough. You don't have the latest, greatest. You need something more. You need this. This is better. You need this. This is the top of the line. This has better reviews. This has whatever. And so you have a whole world out there that is pushing. You've got to have more. And so what happens is we do that. We watch it on TV and we're like, man, I need that. You know, I need that. That's awesome. And then if you don't buy it off TV, you go into the store and it says, as seen on TV, 1995. And you're like, dude, I need that. That is awesome. It doesn't matter what. Maybe it's a visor. Maybe it's sunglasses. Maybe it's a flashlight. doesn't matter what you go. Man, that's awesome. I need to get that. And so we won't, 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 rather than going, I am content with what I have. I'm content with what I have. And so here's the, the thing. It's, it's not an income problem. It's a heart problem. It's not an income problem. It's a heart problem. What we do too often is we think, man, I just need to make more. I need to raise. You know, most of us in this room, we expect to raise every year. We're like, well, inflation's going up, so I need to raise. Well, has the company done better? Has anything done better? But we expect to raise every year. And so we think, well, I need to raise. And many of you, you know, you work hard to get a promotion. You think, well, if I get that promotion, I'll have more margin. No, you won't. What you tend to do is you follow, you, you follow it with a lifestyle, and here's the thing is the margin is gone. As soon as you get the raise, you've already thought, I know what I'm getting with this. I know what I'm going to do with this money. And so that's what we do. Let me back up. Uh, uh, let me read the rest of this passage up here. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not that money's evil. But the love of it is. And some people craving money, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. People who are chasing a dollar bill rather than seeking the kingdom of God, men have wounded themselves. How many of us know people that have, have, have been searching after wealth and maybe they've got a lot of it and it's cost them their marriage? It's cost them their kids. Because they didn't have a relationship with the kids because they were always chasing the dollar. Got to make more money. Got to make more money. Got to make more money. 
and we, you know, we got all these toys, we got all these things, but we don't, we don't have relationships, and we don't, you know, we don't have a marriage. We're just kind of coexisting. We're just kind of paying the bills together, and so they've been pierced with many sorrows. And so the thing is, is we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to help me to be wise with my resources. Help me to be wise with my time. Help me to be wise with my money. Help me to be wise with the things that you've entrusted me with. So it's not an income income problem. It's a heart problem. Most of you in this room, you probably make more money than you ever thought you would make. Like if you were to kind of sit down and say, you know what, man, look, looking back 15 years ago, I'd have never dreamed I was making what I'm making right now. But the tension is still there. The financial tension is still there because you don't, here's the thing, you spend more, you make more, you spend more. If you were to get a raise this week, you would probably spend more rather than say, hey, all right, now we have a little bit of margin. Now we have a little bit of margin. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know what, something's got to change. My heart's got to change, God. Because my heart is still focused on things. And a lot of times the things become our God. They become the idols in our life. And so we've got to say, God, I need something to change. God, I need your help to change. God, will you help me change? Look at, what, look at the teaching that Jesus teaches us here about money and possessions. Matthew six nineteen through 21. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. All right, that's Jesus' teaching. And, and, and it couldn't be any more clear. Now, most of you guys have probably heard this before. You've read that passage before. You've heard it before. You've even heard sermons on it. And you know, you know what? Hey, that's a lot of truth right there. But we still get lured into this, hey, this, this mentality that, you know what? It is about things. If I can just get this next thing, I'll be happy. And there's this void, there's this emptiness, and we keep trying to find something, and we get it, and it's like, that didn't fill it. We get something else, that didn't fill it. We get something else, that didn't fill it. And we keep trying, trying, trying to find something that will make us feel whole or complete. Only Jesus will do that. Only Jesus will fill that void that you're searching for throughout the world to find something to fill it. And, and, and God is saying right here, hey, listen, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, quit chasing after these things that rust will destroy that rust will destroy, that moths will eat. You know, I mean, and, and so, you know, you might be sitting there thinking about, you know, what are, what are the things that you love to collect? Now, some, of you, like, some of you ladies might like a lot of shoes. I know that's a common thing among ladies. You like shoes, and so you've got lots of pairs of shoes. Or maybe it's clothes, or maybe it's some kind of other collectible thing. And so there's nothing wrong with owning things as long as they don't own you. As long as they are, it's a wise decision with your resources. There may be some of you guys, you know, you're sitting there kind of elbowing like, well, you know, maybe yours is just different. Maybe yours is hunting stuff, or maybe it's fishing stuff, or maybe, you know, maybe it's golf. You know, you know whatever it might be, but you, you feel like, hey, I want to collect these things, or I want to have these things. Maybe it's tools. You know, you always act like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix some stuff around the house. I'm going to go buy a set of tools. You don't do anything with those tools, you know. So here's the thing is, you know, you can spend money. Is that the wise choice to spend your money on those things? And, and so what we have to be willing to ask is, God, help me to get my heart right. Because if the heart is right, the finances will be right. If the heart is right, the relationships will be right. If the heart is right, the marriage will be right. So we've got to be willing to work at those things. And so Jesus said it very clearly. He goes, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. The average Christian in America gives 2% to the kingdom. The average Christian in America gives 2% to the kingdom. 2%. The Bible teaches us, and I'll read it in a few minutes, that we are to return God's tithe, which is the first 10%. That we're to return His tithe. Not my tithe, 
whatever I give is what I give above and beyond it. But I, we return God's tithe. But the average Christian in America gives 2%. And so if I read that passage again, it says, Where, when it, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If only 2% of what the average Christian gives goes to the kingdom, then it tells you that their heart, their treasure, is going somewhere else. And I would say that that's to the world. That it's more about the world than it is about the kingdom. It's more about my pleasures, my wants, my, my desires than it is about what God commands. It's just keeping it real. And so 2%, now you might say, well, Mike, I tithe. You're not average. That's a good thing. Remember, the norm is for everybody to be in financial stress and strain. And so we're saying, hey, listen, we're to be abnormal. We're to be different. We're, to be, we're called to be different. We're to live in such a way that we have peace that passes understanding. We have joy. We have excitement about a new day. We don't begroan Monday. We go, you know what? It's another opportunity to make a difference. But we, we are different, and we should be different. We should live different. We should, we should carry ourselves different. We should handle God's resources different than the world. And so here's a question. Question for the day. How do we create margin? Financial margin. How do we create financial margin? That's what everybody wants to know, right? It's real, it's real tough. It's real difficult, right? No, it's not. It's, it's not rocket science. It's real simple. You either earn more or you spend less. It's that simple. How do you create margin? You either earn more or you spend less. Now, most of us in this room don't have a ton of say over how we earn more, do we? We can't control like, hey, you can go in and you can butter up the boss or whatever, but you may not get a raise. The company may not be doing well. They can't give raises. Maybe, maybe there's a freeze. They can't give any raises. They can't even hire any more people. You know, so whatever the situation may be, we don't have a lot of control over earning more unless we go out and we work a second job or we do something like that. But here's the thing is we can control the spending. We can control the spending. And so maybe we were to say, hey, God, give me wisdom about how to spend my money rather than just doing what I want, when I want, because we like to be in control, don't we? We like to be large and in charge. We like to be able to say, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing, and hey, I see that, I want it, I'm going to go get it. Regardless of how it will affect me or my marriage or my relationship with my wife or my husband or how it's going to affect anybody around me, I'm going to do what I want to do because we're selfish. But what if we were to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get a handle on my spending. You go to that resource that I gave you earlier. I was broken, now I'm not. And go in there and begin to kind of learn, hey, you know, start tracking your money, see where it goes. And then here, you start making decisions about where your money goes. Because if you don't know, if you don't decide where you're going to spend your money, somebody else will make, you, make that decision for you. Same way with your time. They will encourage you. They will push you. They'll, people love to spend your money. They love to spend your money. You know, and so you've got to make decisions about that. So that's the simple thing. The simple thing is, is what we do is we either earn more, or spend less. But the thing that I would challenge you is that you have to get your heart right. And so here's the first thing that needs to come into play if you want to create financial margin is you put God first in your finances. You put God first in your finances. You put God first in your life. I mean, that's what Jesus said. You know, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek Him first. And so instead of, hey, I'll make the decisions, I'll make all the finances, God, I'm bringing these to you. God, I need you to give me direction. God, I need you to give me wisdom. And, and so maybe you... Maybe you put a budget together and, you, know, and you, you prayed over that and you said, God, I want you to be honored in this. And so, God, I'm putting you first. I'm putting you first. So here's a couple things that happen when you put God first. Number one, you experience God's blessing. Whenever you put God first in your finances, you experience God's blessing. 
Let me read this passage to you here out of Proverbs. It says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So whenever we put God first, we experience God's blessings in our life. We experience God's blessings. How many guys would like to have God bless you, have God's blessings in your life? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a moron, man. I hate to offend you, but dude, who does not want God's blessings in your life? I mean, you're going, is it a trick question? What does he want me to do? You know, I don't know. But here's the thing. Yes, God, I want you to bless me. God, I want you to bless my family. God, I want you to bless my, my ministry. God, I want you to bless my church. God, I want you to bless my community. God, I want your blessings. That should be our desire. And so here's the thing. If we want God's blessings, we put Him first in our finances. That's a no-brainer. We say, God, I want you to pour out your blessings on me so that I can be a channel of blessing to others. I want to be able to bless others. And when we have financial margin and someone has a need, we can be a, a channel of blessing. We can go out and make a difference in our community. Whenever we have been blessed, we can be a blessing to others. That is what Jesus called us to do. Share the gospel. Hey, listen, you've been blessed with, with eternal life. You have been saved. You have been set free. You have been changed. You've been transformed. Go out and share that with others. Be a channel of blessing to the, to the, to the world, to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus is saying the same thing to us. Hey, listen, be a channel of blessing with your finances. Be a channel of blessing. And let God work through you. Let Him work in you and through you. And let me read this passage one more time. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you've got it all figured out. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Someone asked me last week, said, Pastor Mike, what does it mean to fear the Lord? I said, it's a reverent awe. It's a reverent fear. I mean, understand this. You know, I know some people are like, hey, God, what's up? You know, yo, you know, whatever, like they're just buddies with him. And I get that. But there, to me, I think about God, that there is, he is the all-powerful God. He, he is more powerful than anything in the entire universe. He knows everything, everything, everything that I'll ever think, everything I'll ever say before I ever think it or say it. He knows everything about you. You can't hide anything from Him. And so whenever I come into His, His presence, I should come with a little bit of reverent awe, like a little bit of fear that He knows everything about me. And He could smite me if He wanted to. But I'm reminded that He is also my loving Father. So it is a reverent fear. And, 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 and here's the thing. But it's realizing, you know what? He is a loving Father who forgives. He is a loving Father who redeems. He is a loving Father who has purchased me. He has changed me. He has saved me. And so it says, fear the Lord and shun evil. In other words, fear Him and hate the things that go against His teaching. Hate, hate evil. Shun it. Get away from it. It says, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. In other words, there's so much stress that we go through because of finances that I promise you there are some of you in this room that you are dealing with physical issues and health issues because of your finances. Because of your schedule. And so whenever we've got a little bit of margin in our life, here's the thing, it changes things. So this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will over, overflow with new wine. What he's saying, hey, listen, bring the first fruits. Let it be the very first thing you do. Too often what we do is we, we get our money and we go, you know, all right, I've got to take care of this and this and this and this, and if there's anything left over, I'll give it to God. That's not putting him first. That's leftovers or scraps or crumbs. But choosing 
and say, you know, God, I'm, I'm going to put you first. God, I'm going to honor you. God, I'm going to trust you. Man, what's crazy is we'll trust, we'll say that we trust God to save our soul, but we don't trust Him with our finances. We don't trust Him with our relationships. We don't trust Him to use us. But we trust Him to save us. Maybe because we don't feel like it really costs us anything. Look at this next passage here, Malachi 3.10. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Man, you want blessings? Then tithe. You may not know, you might, well, what's a tithe? The tithe is the first 10% of whatever you make. The first 10% of whatever you make. It's not yours, it's His. It's God's. And he says, hey, return the tithe into my storehouse so that there can be blessings, so that there can be blessings through my church, through my, through my house of worship. There'll be blessings for people. And he says, if you, hey, listen, test me in this. If you don't believe me, test me. It's the only place I know where he says, test me in this. And so God is saying, hey, listen, we need to do that. We need to be willing to, to, to tithe, to put the first 10% in there. And he says he'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and literally pour out so much blessing that we will not have enough room for it. Most of us have already been blessed so much, we don't have room for it. We have, we have to buy storage buildings and rent storage to put the stuff that we've got. You know, let me tell you, that's our mentality. We think, oh, it's stuff. No, no, no. That blessing may be the peace that passes understanding. That blessing may be joy. That blessing may be having a healthy marriage. That blessing may be a lot of other things other than financial stuff or junk. We always think, oh, it's stuff. He's going to give me stuff. No, because you're still focused on the world's pattern. God's saying, I'll give you something more than that. I'll give you contentment. I'll give you godliness. Those are the things that, that man, that, that are the true blessings in life. And then some would say, well, you know, Mike, that's Old Testament. Look at what it says in the Scriptures here. This is Jesus speaking, by the way, in Luke. It says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders because they were really good at tithing. But look at what was going on here. He says, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and, and the love of God. You should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. And let me just say this. I know people that through the years, the tithe has become their idol. The tithe has become their God. It's not so much about the kingdom of God. It's, hey, listen, I want everybody to know, I tithe. Look how much I give. You know, hey, man, I'm tithe. Boy, I'm going to tithe, and I'm going to get it out of the house because I don't want my washing machine breaking down, and I don't want this breaking down. You tithe them for the wrong reasons. And so the thing is, it's saying, God, I want you to be honored. God, I want you, I want you to be glorified in my life. And so, God, I am, I'm returning this. But Jesus said, hey, listen, don't leave the other important things undone, like mercy and grace, serving, blessing, making a difference in the lives of people, being a channel of blessing. And so these religious leaders, they weren't that. They were lording things over people. They, were, they wanted to ride them, man, like a whip, with, you know, a mule with a whip. They just wanted to ride them. And he said, man, you're missing out. Yeah, you tithe, and you should, but that's not the most important thing. And let me just say this. For them, the tithe had become an idol. But for some of you, and I, I listen, I know we're talking about financial margin today, and we all need financial margin, but here's the thing. For some of you, financial margin in your life has become your God. Financial margin in your life has become your God. It's an idol. You're probably loving this message. You're going, yeah, 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 we need to be saving. We don't need to be spending. We need to be saving. We need to be saving. We need to be saving. But let me tell you, saving can become your God. Not the saving grace of God, but your nest egg, your retirement. It's all about saving. 
You'll penalize yourself in this life for what might be one day. And you're sitting there and you're taking care of the old nest egg. You want to make sure, man, that it's all good, it's growing. I want to invest in that. I want to do everything I can to make sure that one day I get to retire. And one day, you know, that we've got money to live on and all this kind of stuff. And I get that. But here's the thing. It can become your idol. And it can become your God. And that's not what this is talking about. It's saying that there needs to be financial margin. There needs to be cushion. But there needs to be contentment. And there needs to be a peace that passes understanding. Here's the second thing. When we experience, when, whenever we put God first in our finances, we experience blessings. And the second thing, we become supernaturally content. I am not, I, I'm not, I don't get content in my, on my, of my own accord. Most of us in this room, we always want what someone else has. You know, some of you guys will walk out in the parking lot there and you'll see some car and you'll go, man, I wish I had that. You just heard a message on being content, but you'll walk out and say, man, that's a fine ride right there. You know, or you'll, you'll go down the road and somebody pulls in to eat at a nice restaurant and says, man, I wish we had the money to do that. You know, I mean, that's what we do. We're always wishing and wanting what someone else had. You know, and, and so we've got to be careful with that. And so here it's saying, hey, listen, be content. And I'm just telling you, we are not content in our own. We don't even have to teach kids, you know, to be greedy or selfish. If we were to go over here into Journey Kids where they're over there playing, some of those kids will have probably the best toy in the whole room, and they'll look over and some other kid will have something, and they'll want that one. That's mine, mine, mine. I want that, right? And all we are is big kids. We're big kids. We're the same way. We want what somebody else has because they th- hey, they're having more fun or they look like they've got more than we do. We want that. And so it is supernatural. When we put God first, it is supernatural that He works in us that we become content. It says, better to have little with fear of the Lord, there's fear of the Lord again, than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Listen to what he's saying. He said, hey, it's better. What, we've been, what have we been talking about? Giving up what is good for what is best, right? And so what Jesus said, hey, listen, this is better. If you guys are, hey, listen, this is better. If you want what's best, then hear what I'm saying. He said, hey, listen, it's better to have little, not to have all this stuff, and, to have, and not have the turmoil that goes with it. Yesterday I was driving in the road and I saw like four Mustangs, like 68 to whatever. And, I mean, I love Mustangs. It's one of my favorite cars. And so here's, here's the thing about it. Is looking at them, we forget that, you know what, there's a lot of maintenance that goes into those things. I had a guy tell me many times, hey, listen, you have to have a thick wallet or a good set of tools and know how to use them if you're going to have old cars like that. And, and so whenever I see them, I, I was driving in the road and I was thinking, you know, God, those are awesome cars. I wouldn't mind driving one, but I don't want to own it. I don't want to own it, you know, because I'll have to take care of it. And here, you know, like, we, we see a house that's got a nice pool. You go over to somebody's house and you see their pool and say, man, that's an awesome pool. I wish we had a pool. Do you want to do the maintenance? Most of you don't. I'm just telling you. you know, and so here's the thing. Is we, we, we see all these things that we want that somebody else has got, but we don't think about, you know what, the turmoil they go through to maintain that look or to maintain that image. You know, we, we pull up and we see these nice houses and we go, man, that's a nice place. Man, but do you want to have to take care of that yard? Do you want to have to cut all that grass? You know what I'm saying? And, and they probably don't either, so they pay somebody a lot of money. You know, and you go, you know what? Maybe I'm okay with what I've got. And so, again, let me read it again. Better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. How many of us know wealthy families that their marriage is falling apart? Now, there's poor, poor ones that do the same. But wealthy families that seem to have everything, and they're going through divorce. Wealthy families who have everything and their kids are, you know, have checked out. And so it's not about wealth, it's not about things, or at least not the world's wealth that we're looking for. Here's the third thing. You end up with more of what matters. Whenever we put God first in our life, we end up with more of what matters. It says, this is what God says, God is wisdom. 
Throughout this thing, we've been talking about, hey, making the wise choice, making wise decisions. And so God, who is wisdom, it says, I have riches and honor, as well as enduring wealth and justice. And so my gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. So let me just say this. If, you, if you're wanting what really matters most, then what God is saying right here in the Scripture, He's saying, listen, come to me. Choose me. He's saying, what I've got is the best. It's better than the purest gold. It's better than the purest silver. And for, so for many of us, we do. We chase after the money. We chase after the gold, the silver, the things, the things that sparkle. And what God is saying right there, who He's speaking about wisdom, He says, come to me. And what I've got is better than all that. And so whenever we put God first, three things, again, when we put God first, we, we experience God's blessings. And like I said, anybody with any kind of common sense knows you want to be in the center of God's blessings. The second thing, you become supernaturally content. Some of you guys haven't ever been content in your entire life. You ought to give it a try. Just say, you know what, I'm going to see what God can do. I've never been content. God, I want you to teach me how to be content. And then the third thing, you'll end up with more of what matters. And so whenever we, we get rid of some things, we choose to focus on what matters most. And so we say, I've got them giving up the good for the best. Got them giving up the good for the best. And so let's look at a couple of next steps here. And maybe these are steps that you need to take. But in the first one it says, I confess that I'm focused on this world more than God's kingdom. Maybe today that's you. You say, I, am, I confess to you, God, that I am focused on this world more than your kingdom. You know, that's a step that you need to take. Here's that. Confession is a step. The Bible says you confess your sins so that healing may begin. Confess your sins to one another that healing may begin. Confess your sins and He is faithful and just and will forgive you of all unrighteousness. And so God will, will cleanse us. And so if we confess, God, that's truth. I have been more focused on this world than I've been focused on you. I've been more focused on this world than I've been focused on the kingdom of God. And so God, will you forgive me? I confess that to you. I'm asking for forgiveness, God. So maybe that's your step. Look at the next one. I will trust God with my finances and follow biblical guidelines. Rather than following the pattern of this world, you choose today. You say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust Him completely. And I'm going to follow biblical guidelines. Is that going to be a challenge? Absolutely. But I'm going to follow what the Bible says, not what the world says. I'm going to choose to live differently. And then look at the last one. I will trust God and return His tithes starting today. I will trust God and return His tithes starting today. That's a, that's, a, that's a tough step for some of you. Let me, let me just say this. I've had people ask me through the years, Mike, you know, you know, I don't have any financial margin right now. You know, do I need to wait until I've got financial margin before I start tithing? I would say no. And some of y'all are going like, what are you saying? I'm saying you put God first. You're saying, yeah, you're saying that because you're a preacher. No, I believe that's, cause I, that's, that's what God's Word says. God says put Him first because He can do more with, with 90% than you can do with 100 he can do more with 90% than you can do with 100. And so what God says, hey, put him first, and he will literally throw open the floodgates of heaven. Trust him enough to tithe. If you can trust him to save your soul, you can trust him with your finances. And so today, for some of you, the biggest decision you've ever made, maybe to say, you know what, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to tithe. And I'm going to lean into him. And I'm going to trust him to provide. I'm going to trust him to give me wisdom. I'm going to trust Him to give me wisdom to cut the things that I'm spending on that I don't need to be spending on. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to take that step. And so for some of you today, that is, that's the biggest step you've ever taken. It's, it's, why? Because it's going to cost you something. 
It's tangible. And that's the thing about tithing. It is tangible. It is a tangible way of writing a check and saying, God, I trust you. And again, first, not after we paid all the bills to see what we got left. God, I give you the first portion. I give you the best portion. I give you the cut choice. God, I give you me. And God, I put you first. And so, God, I am trusting you completely. And so, God, I'm leaning into you. There's some of you in this room that maybe you've never given your life to Christ. And some of this just seems like craziness. The Bible says that the things of God are foolishness to the common man. Let me tell you what that means. For those of you that have never put your faith in Christ, you've never, you've never been filled with God's Holy Spirit, then the things of God are foolishness. But for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ to save them, and have been filled with His Spirit, and sealed with His Spirit until the day of redemption, they know this is a God thing, and that God will do what He says He will do. But if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, let me just say this, you have a sin debt. If you've sinned, if you've lied, if you've cheated, if you've done anything like that, there's a price to pay for your sin. And none of us in this room can pay it. Only Jesus and what He did on the cross will pay for that sin. And so what God did in His grace and His mercy is He said, listen, you've sinned against Me. And so He sends His Son Jesus into this world. And Jesus lived a sinless life. And here's the thing, He, he literally laid down His life on a cross and He bled out His precious blood to pay for your sins, for your lies, for your, your, your cheating, your stealing. Whatever sin you've committed, He paid for that with His blood, with His life. So what He offers to you today is He offers salvation. If you'll just put your faith in Him, He will save you. He will change you. And so today, the most important decision you could make would be to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I'm asking you to come in and live within me. I'm asking you to take up residence within me. Jesus, will you fill me with your Spirit? His answer is yes. You confess your sins. You turn from your sins. And He will save you. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, that is your greatest need. Because you have a sin debt. Financial debt's one thing, but sin debt, only Jesus can cover. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through Him. And so if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, let me encourage you to do that. Mike, so Mike, will you show me how? Yes, right here. This is it. I just want you to, it's a simple prayer. It's your prayer. It's not my prayer. But I just want you to pray this prayer in your heart of heart. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you can save me. I believe that you can change me. So Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I confess to you that I have blown it. You say that you will forgive me. I'm confessing. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. I'm turning to you. I'm turning from the way I've been living. I'm turning to you. You do that by faith. Everything that we do is by faith. And so if you have put your faith in Christ today, He will save you. He will change you. You are adopted into His family. And you're part of His, his, you're part of his kingdom now. There's others in this room that, man, you made that decision a long time ago. But man, you haven't been honoring God with your finances. Let today be a day of change for you. That you say, you know what, I want to start living differently. 
I want to quit following the pattern of this world. I want to live differently. If you're in this room and you raised, and you, you prayed to receive Christ, I just want you to raise your hand. We had a guy in the first service who gave his life to Christ today. If you prayed to receive Christ today, I just want you to raise your hand so I can be praying for you. Nobody's looking, just me. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, I prayed that prayer. I accepted Jesus today by faith. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Just raise your hand. I see your hand over here. Amen, brother. Glad you're here today. God had you here for a reason. He had you here for a purpose. Proud of you. Anybody else? Man, it took courage to raise your hand, brother. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Man, my, I gave my life to Christ today. I asked Jesus to come into my life. Anybody else? Right here? All right. I see your hand. I see your hand. It takes courage to raise that hand, doesn't it? Had two that literally are now a part of the kingdom of God. Man, I'm proud of y'all. That's awesome. It's huge. Now let me ask you another question. If anybody in the room. I have not been living. If you've not been living the way that God says to live with your finances, would you be willing to say, Mike, I haven't been living that way, but I want to change. Nobody's looking. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, it's me. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. Listen, He will give you what you need to change. It's trusting Him. It's leaning into Him. And so I just I want to pray over all of you. Father, I thank You for today. I thank You for these two that raised their hand that prayed to receive Christ today. God, I, I see it on my, my brother over here that you're, you're working. God, thank You for that. God, so many hands around the room that need to change how they do finances. Lord, I pray that every hand that was raised, that they would be changed this week. They would be changed today. God, that they would trust you. They would lean into you. God, show us as a church how we can help them. God, I pray they would go to these websites like I was broken, now I'm not, and, and see how these ministries can help them find financial freedom. How their marriages can be better. How their families can be better. How they can, they can literally remove some of the stress that's in their life. God, help us to be different from this world. Help us to be different. Not just normal, but God, different. In a way that we are a witness for you and we are a light for you. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. And God, thank you for their generosity. Thank you for their willingness to serve. And God, let this culture that we have here overpower the culture of this world because it is, it is empowered by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.